Now it's good to be here again uh, with you all and continue this series on living out God's purpose. Uh, certainly been having fun um, sharing the messages with you as well as preparing them. And uh, I think you're, you're in for a treat uh, this morning. Um, I certainly um, had a great time this week preparing this sermon. And uh, I think it's going to take a, a little a different... Um, different route than what you might expect. But follow with me, stay with me, and uh, I think we'll, we'll all be blessed. Uh, but we started this series, Living in God's Purpose. Um, me, as the pastor of this church, wanting to um, share with you and share together what is our purpose as a church. What are we here for? What is our purpose as a church to Frederick, to this community? What responsibilities do we have to the community, to ourselves? And we started off part one with realizing that it is important for us as individuals to reflect the image of God. If we are to reflect the image of God as a church, then we as individuals must reflect the image of God. And that in of itself really is the goal or the purpose of every Christian. If you remember Garden of Eden, God made man and woman in the image of God. And since they betrayed God, since they disobeyed God, we've been trying to get back to that. That's why Jesus died on the cross, so that we once again can get to that point where we are the very image of God. And so that is our goal, and that is our goal as a church, ultimately, is to reflect the character of God. Then part two, you remember we talked about children, how important children are, and how we as a church need to create an environment where our children can not only meet their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but sustain that relationship with Him. And then last week, we talked about the importance as a church to reach out. Certainly, that would be one of the major reasons why we're here as a church, which is to reach out to the community, to reach out to unbelievers, to reach out to those that don't know about Jesus Christ and share with them the gospel. And certainly that is a part of why we're here. That is part of our purpose as a church to reach out. But here we've talked about uh, children. We've talked about unbelievers. Is anybody feeling left out? Is anyone here saying, well, how about me? Uh, What do I get out of coming to church? I mean, I've been a member for 20, 30 years. Where am I in in this whole mix? Well, today we're going to cover that. Today we're going to look at some verses um, that's going to share with us yet another reason, another purpose why we're here as a church I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 12. We're going to start this study in Jeremiah chapter 12. Jeremiah chapter 12. It's the book right after Isaiah, right before Lamentations. Jeremiah chapter 12. I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. Jeremiah chapter 12. Now, if you will remember, or for those of you that don't know... 
Jeremiah was called to ministry when he was very young. And his ministry went for more than 40 years. And his ministry was one that I really wouldn't want. I don't desire what he was called to do. He was called to preach not only the grace of God and the mercy of God, but to tell the people that if you don't get your act straight, if you don't get things together, certain destruction is going to fall upon this nation and you will go into captivity. So for 40 years, he preached, get your act straight. Repent from your sins. Turn from your wicked ways. And well, we know the story. They did not. And so they were taken captive by Babylon. And most of you would know that, remember that Jeremiah was a contemporary of not only Ezekiel, but Daniel as well. Now, he was much older than Daniel, obviously, but they were all alive during this time. And this is this is what's going on. And and we know that they did not listen. Because the very next book, Lamentations, which is a book that Jeremiah wrote, a prayer of lamenting over what happened to his country, to his nation, as they were taken captive into Babylon. But here, Jeremiah, in chapter 12, verse 1, has this dialogue with God. And he says, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. Now, most of our prayers start off that way, right? We, we acknowledge God for who he is, for what, he, for what he's done. We thank God. And, and you know, God, we're, we're so thankful. We're happy. You know, you're, you're awesome. Um, and then it turns to our needs or it turns to what we want, right? It, and that's exactly what Jeremiah does. He says, righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you, yet let me... Talk with you about your judgments. Jeremiah has some issues with God, doesn't he? And I think that this is so encouraging for us to know that whatever we're going through, whatever problems we may have, whatever questions we may have of God or of life, God is big enough. God can handle it. And God would want us to go to him with whatever is on our hearts, whether it's praise or a burden. We can come to God and say, God, listen, I appreciate what you've been doing, but I'm having some problems. I'm having some issues with with your judgments. I mean, what's going on here, God? Because really, at the foot of the cross, at his throne, is really the only place that we can find answers to our problems. It's the only place that we can find relief for the things that we're going through. And so that's why he says, come to me as you are. Whatever's on your heart, just come to me. Just share with me what's on your heart. And I will give you the strength. I will give you the peace that you need. I will give you the answers that you need. And so here we have Jeremiah. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. Yet, let me talk to you with you about your judgments. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? Have we ever felt that way? Have we ever questioned God in that manner? Listen, God, I've been, I've been faithfully following you for many years. I've been returning my tithe faithfully to you and, and I don't seem to get ahead. 
Why are those that hate you or, or blaspheme your name or why, why does it seem like they're being blessed? Why does it seem like they're getting ahead? Jeremiah has the same concern here, the same issue. Verse 2, you have planted them. Yes, they have taken root. They grow. Yes, they bear fruit. You are near, you are near in their mouth, but far from their mind. God, why? Why are these things happening? Why aren't we being blessed? Why aren't you giving us more? And he goes on for the next couple of verses, just kind of going through this protest of God. He's having a struggle with God. And, and in verse 5, God responds to Jeremiah in a very unique way. He responds to Jeremiah with a question. And how often does God respond to our prayers with a question? And on the surface, when we read God's response here, it seems as though God is talking about something completely different. It seems as though God has changed the subject altogether. But as we look closely at what God is saying, he's actually answering Jeremiah's question very poignantly. And this is what it says in verse 5. It says, if you have run with the footmen... And they have wearied you. Then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted, they wearied you. Then how will you do in the floodplain of Jordan? Now, doesn't it seem as though God is completely off base? Doesn't it seem as though he's like changed the subject completely? And, and Jeremiah is saying, why aren't you giving us more? Why aren't you blessing us like you're blessing them? And basically what God says is, if you haven't taken care of what I've given you, then how do you expect me to give you more? If you're not being a good steward of what I've given you, if you're not taking care of what I've given you, if you're not appreciative of the things that I've already given you, then why would I give you more? Why would I give you more, God says? And this is a principle that applies to all areas of life. One, obviously, is finances. I mean, if God has blessed us with money and with possessions and material things, but yet we haven't been good stewards of those things, we haven't used those things to honor and bring glory to him, then why would God give us more? I mean, if if the money in our lives has separated us from him, then why would he give us more only to perpetuate the problem? And that is the principle here that God is talking about. He says, Jeremiah, I've given you and your country and, and, and my people, I've given you this nation everything that it needs to succeed. But if the footmen, if the blessings that I've given you have wearied you, then how am I going to give you more? If the things that I have given you as a blessing have been a stumbling block to you, then why am I going to give you more? Now, how does this all relate to us as a church and us as a church living out God's purpose? And I want to apply it to the church and the local church. And the message is this. If we as a church are not taking care of what we have, 
then why would God give us more? Particularly, I want to hone in on members, people. Now listen, folks, before I go on here, I need you to know that I am not a pastor that's about the numbers. I, I, I don't care if this church is 500, 1,000, we can be 2,000 members. That's not my goal here. My intentions as a pastor is how we get there along the way. So let me just make that clear. But as it relates, as this principle relates to the church, why would God bring more members, more people into this church if we're not taking care of our own? If we're not taking care of the church members that are here in our midst already? I ask you a question. Why would God want to bring unbelievers into a dysfunctional family? And now I'm not saying that our church is dysfunctional. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that God expects us to be good stewards of what we have. To uplift one another. To encourage one another. To help each other out in need. Because when we take care of our own, then God is able and then willing to bring more people to join this flock, to join this community. We have to take care of what we have. We need to uplift one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to meet the needs in this congregation. Do you know why? Because ultimately, when the world looks in... When those who are not members of this church, when the community looks in, when unbelievers look in, ultimately what they will see is how we are treating one another. It's how we are treating each other. You see, and that is what's going to bring the community in. Now, I know that there are some that will hesitate and maybe question me on that and say, wait, wait, wait. Jesus is the one that's going to bring them in when we uplift him. And Jesus himself said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. But let me ask you a question. How is that manifested in our midst? If we make Jesus Christ the center of this church, how is that manifested to the people looking onward, looking at us? It's manifested in how we treat one another. And if we are treating one another with love and with respect, if we are treating one another as Christ would treat us, that is how we uplift the name of Jesus. And when the community looks in, they say, that is the group, that is a part, that is a church that I want to be a part of. Because they, there, are taking care of one another. They're uplifting one another. They're encouraging one another. They're meeting each other's needs. I want to be a part of that movement. You know, this is a principle that's all throughout Scripture. And in fact, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, Matthew 25, this principle can't be any more clear than in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. Matthew chapter 25, the the story starts in verse 14. We'll start reading verse 15. 
It says, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Now, let me just um, substitute a few words here. To one church he gave 500 members. To another church he gave 200 members. To another church he gave 100 members, all according to their ability. We know the story. We know how the parable goes. He comes back. What have you done? What have you done with what I have given you? And to the one that invested, to the ones that made those 500 or those five talents grow, to to the one that made those two talents grow, what did he do? He gave them more. And God forbid that we become a church like the one steward who had one talent. We didn't do anything with it. We buried it. And as a result, he takes away that one and gives it to someone who's going to do something with it. God forbid that we become that church where God is taking, removing members from this congregation and putting them in another congregation to a congregation who's being faithful stewards of their own. So we read in verse 23, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The principle is there. We must take care of our own. We must uplift one another. We must encourage one another. We must be diligent about meeting each other's needs. Whether it's spiritually, emotionally, financially, physically. We must be diligent in meeting each other's needs. There are so many needs in this church. As I meet with you, as I counsel with you, there, there are marriages in, in this congregation who are, who are being held only by a string. There are some who are struggling with, with physical, um, needing physical healing, sicknesses. There are some homes that are being torn apart by drugs and, and alcohol. There are families here who are struggling to keep their kids on the straight and narrow. There are people within our midst who need each other's support, who need each other's help. Now, I'm not against reaching out. You know that. If you doubt that, listen to last week's sermon. Because I believe that it is part of our responsibility as a church to reach out to the community. To to reach out to mission groups, to reach out to different countries, to reach out to people groups that need our help. But we cannot neglect what God has entrusted to us here in this home, here in this community of faith. If you will remember, when Jesus was giving his last instructions to his disciples, he said to him, you will receive the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the world. Did you notice the order? 
I want you to reach out to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Where did it start? At home. It started here. It starts here. We're going to have our problems. We're going to have our struggles. Sure. I mean, when you look at the sun, it's hard to believe that the sun has dark spots on it. Sunspots. You've heard of these or you've read about these. Sunspots. They're dark spots. But collectively, it is so bright that it is just shining. And we as a church must shine for Christ. And the way that we shine for Christ is when we reveal the image of God. And what better way of doing that than the way that we treat one another. Than the way that we interact with one another. The way that we forgive one another. The way that we uphold and encourage and build up words of encouragement. Instead of tearing them down. When we watch out and, and we watch out for each other and, and we know so-and-so is having a problem. I need to get on the phone and get a few people and, and run to them and help them. Maybe financially, maybe they need prayer. Maybe you've heard they're struggling, their marriage is struggling. Maybe, honey, we can take their kids for an evening or two evenings and, and give them the time that they need to work on their marriage. There's so many things that as a church we can do for one another to uphold one another. Because the principle is there. Why would I give you more if what I have given you, you are not taking care of? And so we have a responsibility as a church to watch out for one another. Speak words of encouragement to one another. Uplift one another. Help Where there is need, whatever need that may be, and it may be financially, it may be physically, spiritually, emotionally. As a church, we need to be taking care of what God has already given us. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. Before you think I'm way off base here, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. Right after the book of of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, starting with verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, Especially to those who are of the household of faith. Did you catch that? While we have opportunity, let us do good. Especially. The emphasis there. Especially on those who are of the same household of faith. We have a responsibility to do good. To do good in the community, to reach out to those who haven't heard the gospel and to preach good tithings to them. Yes, we have a responsibility to reach out and to go. But we cannot neglect the responsibility that we have here in our own home to take care of one another. To take care 
of each other. To lift one another up. I saw this played out so powerfully once in the church that I once pastored. As a young man, um, part of our, of our young adult group, um, he had a really bad um, case of acne. I've never seen a case that bad, personally. And uh, looking back now, I, I'm so proud of our young adults, of our youth group. Because we saw past that. We, let, we did not let that get in the way. And, and he was involved in all of our youth activities and young adult activities. And, and we, we reached out to him just, just like if there was nothing there. But even then, you can tell by his own demeanor that this was an issue for him. This was a problem for him. It was a Monday morning and I got a call from one of, one of my parishioners, one of the members of, of of the church it says we want to do something for this young man. He said, "What we've done is we've contacted a doctor in the city, in the town, and what we want for you to do is to approach him, talk to him, and if he is willing, give him this contact information, and tell him that everything will be taken care of. Everything." He didn't come from a a rich family. He didn't come from a well-off family. And it's part of the reason why he had not gotten treatment for his acne. And I sat down with this young man and it was a little bit awkward, you know, a bit sensitive. Um, I spoke to him and I said, is this something that you would like to take care of? (laughs) Of course. Yes, absolutely. I said, all right. Well, this is what you have to do. Here's the name of the doctor. Here's where his clinic is. Here's his phone number. All you need to do is is just make an appointment, show up, and, and everything will be taken care of. What? He said, no. Yes, it's all taken care of. What do you mean? I, I said, someone step forward. Someone wants to help. His face just lit up. He was so happy. Folks, within... A few weeks, within just a few weeks, his face began to clear up. And within just several months from him having started treatment, he had a clean face, acne gone. That is what God was telling Jeremiah. That is what God was telling through the parable of the talents. That is what God was saying through Paul to the church in Galatia. Take care of your own. Take care of what you have. Be good stewards of those that are among you. Because you will see that when you do that, I will bring more people because I know that I can entrust them to you. So, as we move on in this series of living out God's purpose as a church, let us remember that yes... It's important for us to be the image of God. I mean, that's where it all starts. It's important for us to reach out to our children. It's important for us to reach out to the unbelieving world, to those outside. Yes, it is important for us to reach out to those. But let us not neglect the home front. Let us not neglect those within our midst. And let us be very proactive and let us be diligent in reaching out to our own here in this church 
whether they need help financially, whether it's physically, whether it's emotionally or spiritually, whatever it is, let us reach within here in this church. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we've been challenged here this morning to be good stewards of the individuals who are sitting in this pew. We have been challenged that we need to be good stewards and take care of the things that that you have given us already. And yes, this applies to so many other things. We need to be good stewards of the the gifts that people have given to this church, Um, whether it's a, a, a chair or a table. We need to be good stewards of the blessings that you've given us. But God, we also need to be good stewards of the individuals that are here in our midst. And we need to to be diligent about uplifting and building families up and building individuals up. Perhaps that means writing a note of encouragement. Perhaps that means writing a note of gratitude. Perhaps that might mean inviting someone over for Sabbath lunch. Perhaps that means writing a $100 check and giving it to a family who's in need. Father God, help us to be good stewards of those in our midst. Because then, and only then, will you be able to bless us with more. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.